Well, good morning. Uh, my name is Corey Detweiler. I don't generally do the preaching around here, but this morning I have the privilege to do so, and I'm excited about it. Uh, last night I was, uh, you know, this uh, extravagant sermon writing process. I was in the shower thinking about like how I could open things up, and I told Lynette, "Oh, I have the, this great, the greatest idea! There are some elephants on stage, and I'm going to address the elephant in the room." Well, then Keith, this morning, first service, just stole my thunder, so I'll just have to dive right in. So that's what we're going to do. We're in Mark chapter 5. Mark chapter 5, you can turn there uh, if, if you'd like. The first uh, Marvel movie, at least in this kind of current uh, franchise of uh, Marvel, came out in 2008. Iron Man, uh, probably my favorite of the Marvels, uh, is Iron Man, but that came out in 2008, uh, over, a little over 10 years ago. Since 2008, there have been something like 22 films produced and released, and I think we're still set to, I see a couple uh, Marvel buffs out there, so I'll probably get this wrong, but I think we're set to have at least two more released, if not more. Uh, So, 22, that count will rise. The series has grossed globally over $21 billion. $21 billion uh, that people have paid to go see Marvel movies. Additionally, there are something like 10 to maybe 12 TV series that are based on Marvel superheroes. And this is just one comic universe. There are different comic universes, and Marvel's just one of them. DC has their own kind of set of superheroes with movies and TV shows. It's safe to say uh, that uh, the comic business is booming. And people are are super interested in this stuff. Uh, I mean... If you uh, go by a movie theater on like opening night, you'll have people outside dressed up as their favorite character in the movie, Uh, toys, themed birthday parties, just any number of ways in which we see uh, these Marvel superheroes or superheroes in general just pervading our culture. It's, It's incredible. It really is. And so I have to wonder why... Why are superheroes, why are we so taken by them? Why are we so interested in them? And maybe, maybe you're not, uh, but uh, you can't deny that lots of other people are. It's something that really interests our culture. I think one of the reasons that people are so interested or so taken by these stories is, A, we love stories. Everyone loves a good story. But also... We love stories of good versus evil. We love stories where somebody comes in power and destroys evil. Where somebody comes and makes the world a better place. So in our story this morning, in Mark chapter 5, I see some of these uh, themes uh, pretty clearly, in fact. I don't think they're subtle. uh, But I see some of these, these themes 
Uh, we're in the middle of this uh, series called Encounters with Jesus, and it's a study in the book of Mark. And in the series, we've been looking at stories of Jesus interacting with humans and seeing kind of what that looks like. And we're still in chapter 5. The first eight chapters really address this question. Who is Jesus? Who is Jesus? That's really what we want to look at this morning, and that's what we've been looking at for the last few weeks. Uh, Last week, if you were with us, Kelsey preached about Jesus calming a storm. And after he calms the storm, the disciples kind of in awe and wonder ask themselves, who is this? Who is this guy that even the wind and the waves obey what he says? So that's, that's the question I want to uh, keep in front of us. Who is Jesus? Before we get into Mark, I would like uh, to take us back to the beginning Uh, I'm not going to read anything in Genesis, but I'd I'd like to read us a story from Genesis because really the Bible is not a bunch of little individual stories. The Bible is one big story that starts in Genesis and sort of culminates in the person of Jesus. So this morning I'm going to read from this book. It's called The Biggest Story, How the Snake Crusher Brings Us Back to the Garden. Uh, You can find it in the Resource Center, uh, the Windows by the cafe, if, if it's something that interests you. But I'm going to read uh, the first chapter of it this morning. So uh, you can follow along with the pictures uh, behind me. Once upon a time, there lived a man and a woman. They were the happiest people on the planet. True, they were the only people on the planet, but they were still terrifically happy. Their names were Adam and Eve, and God made them. He made them in his image, little mirrors to reflect God's glory. And like everything else God made, he made them good. It was a wonderful time to be God's children in God's wonderful world. Unfortunately, things didn't stay happy and wonderful for long. On one very bad day, Adam ate from the only tree God had declared off limits. Adam failed. It was a terrible day, the second worst day in the history of the world. A snake had tricked Adam and Eve and told them a lie about the fruit. He said they would be like God if they ate it, but actually the opposite was true. When they ate the fruit, they found themselves far away from God. They had disobeyed God's word and believed the lie that that devilish snake instead of the truth. Being near to God and having him draw near to us would not be easy any longer. As a result, God kicked Adam and Eve out of that garden paradise. But before they left, God made a promise. He promised that that the evil serpent, the devil, would always be at war with Eve and her children. Now, that doesn't sound like a very nice promise that bad guys and good guys would fight all the time. Who wants to be in a war that never ends? But... Here's where the good part of the promise comes in. God promised that one of Eve's children would someday, eventually, sooner or later, crush the head of that nasty snake. Nobody knew when or how, but she would have a child to put things right. 
So I read us that story to sort of set up our story this morning, and I kind of see our story this morning in Mark 5 as almost a continuation of, of this story. Uh, this idea that our world was good, that humans messed up, uh, and found themselves in a world that was no longer good. So let's read uh, Matthew, Mark chapter 5, 1 to 20. A lot of reading this morning, stick with me. They came to the other side of the sea, to the country of Ger- the Gerasenes, and when Jesus had stepped out of the boat, immediately there met him out of the tombs a man with an unclean spirit. He lived among the tombs, and no one could bind him anymore, not even with a chain. For he had often been bound with shackles and chains, but he wrenched the chains apart, and he broke the shackles in pieces. No one had the strength to subdue him. Night and day among the tombs and on the mountains, he was always crying out and cutting himself with stones. And when he saw Jesus from afar, he ran and fell down before him. And crying out with a loud voice, he said, What have you to do with me, Jesus, son of the most high God? I adjure you by God, do not torment me. For Jesus was saying to him, Come out of the man, you unclean spirit. And Jesus asked him, What is your name? He replied, My name is Legion, we are many. And he begged him earnestly not to send them out of the country. Now, a great herd of pigs was feeding there on the hillside, and they begged him, saying, Send us to the pigs, let us enter them. So he gave them permission, and the unclean spirit came out and entered the pigs. And the herd, numbering about 2,000, rushed down the steep bank, into the sea, and drowned in the sea. The herdsmen fled and told it in the city and in the country, and the people came to see what it was that had happened. And they came to Jesus and saw the demon-possessed man, the one who had the legion sitting there, clothed in his right mind, and they were afraid. And those who had seen it described to them what had happened to the demon-possessed man and to the pigs. And they began to beg Jesus to depart from their region. So two quick observations uh, from this story before we kind of dive in to unpack it. It's obvious from this story that, that this idea is true from the beginning, that the world has gone tragically wrong. And we see it in the man. We see it in this man possessed by uh, so many demons. But we also see that the pow- we also see the power of Jesus as he intervenes in the situation. And I want to sort of uh, look at those two ideas as we go forward. This vivid picture of a world gone wrong and the power of Jesus. It really is, this story, an excellent example of what evil has always tried to accomplish. From the beginning, evil, its end game, has always been to destroy God's image in humanity, right? Evil's end game has always been about destroying God's image in humanity, about separating humans from God. John 10.10 10, uh, says this, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. In order to get a little closer uh, to this story, to this man, I want you to imagine somebody that you love. 
Uh, maybe it's a best friend, maybe it's a significant other, a child. I want you to get that person in your mind. So this person has completely lost their sense of self. They've completely lost their identity. They've been banished from society. They constantly inflict pain on themselves, hitting themselves with rocks, cutting themselves. They're dirty. Maybe they haven't taken a shower in months or years. They're living among the dead. People are terrified of this person. No one wants to go near this person that you love. They are completely broken. They are a most vivid picture of a broken humanity. You know, this man in our story, he had a family. He was a little baby once, innocent and smiling. But he's been completely destroyed. And he's really, he's living in a sort of hell on earth. That's his, that's his life, is hell on earth. He's separated from society. He's separated from any human interaction, really. Separated from God. He's bound really hopelessly by evil. Like this, this evil has so consumed him that he's not even recognizable anymore. See, broken, brokenness is not always so obvious as it is in this story, is it? Like, we see it, in, we see it all around us. We see broken, brokenness and we recognize it, but it, it really is vivid in this story. We see, you know, people that get sick and never get better. We see people that die way too young. Maybe we ourselves walk through depression anxiety, financial hardships. We've all witnessed and or been a part of broken families, broken relationships. It's interesting that in the beginning, God called his world good. And actually, he does so seven different times. He, he creates, he, he makes things, and he said, that is good. That's what I meant for it. He creates humans and calls us very good. Little mirrors of God. This story gives us an incredible picture, I think, uh, just of that contrast. A good world uh, versus a broken one. But I also think that it gives us a glimpse, just a glimpse of what happens when God decides to make things right again. Gives us a a glimpse of what happens when God's kingdom comes to earth. You see, Jesus comes as one with authority, one with power to free broken humans from the power of evil. He comes with the power to make things right again. The demon recognized the authority that Jesus had. You know, the man comes kind of frantically sprinting at Jesus and his disciples. I I can't imagine what they must have been thinking. But he falls down before Jesus, falls on his knees, and not in worship. He's not worshiping Jesus. He's recognizing and even maybe submitting to Jesus' authority. And he refers to Jesus as the Son of the Most High God. 
The demons know who Jesus is. He know, they know that he is God. They know that he is the creator. It's interesting, in Scripture, demons always recognize God. They always know who it is with the authority. They always know who their enemy is. This uh, man referred to himself as legion. And uh, so a legion was like a Roman, kind of a part of the Roman army, an army contingent that had 6,000 people in it roughly, give or take. And a lot of commentators talk about the idea that uh, it's likely, or they think, that maybe this man had as many as 6,000 demons kind of inhabiting him and, and breaking him down. So we can see that this man was hopeless. He was beyond hope, right? There was no coming back for his soul. There was no coming back for him. Even if the spiritual realm isn't something that you believe in, even if God is is not something that you believe in, for the sake of this story, you have to recognize that this man's pretty hopelessly lost, right? This man doesn't have a lot to look forward to. He needs somebody more powerful than himself to save him from what has captured him. And Jesus proves to be that person. The, the demons recognize it right away. They recognize uh, that Jesus has the power to change this man's life because they say to Jesus, you know, don't send us out of the, out of the area. Don't send us out of the land. Send us into the pigs. They have to be sent into the pigs. So Jesus gives them permission to go into the pigs. And, and we see, again, more evidences of the destruction of evil. What happens? The pigs, they kind of go crazy. They start running off into the wild and then eventually down a cliff and into the waters below. And they all die. 2,000 of them are taken out. It's sort of a side note, but isn't that a crazy picture? Just a herd of pigs running into the ocean? It's amazing. But it's physical proof, I believe, of evil and its intent. Next we read, after Jesus has, has sent these demons into the, pig, into the pigs, we read this. The herdsmen fled and told in the city and in the country, and people came to see what had happened. And they came to Jesus and saw the demon-possessed man, that man that was unrecognizable. They saw him, the one that had the legion sitting there, clothed in his right mind, and they were afraid. They come out to see what they were expecting to be this kind of wild, crazy psycho, this person that was barely recognized as human, they, they were expecting to see that, and they see a man sitting there, maybe having a conversation with the disciples, and I find it interesting, it says they were afraid. They were afraid. The man by Jesus' power had been completely restored. He, Jesus has defeated evil, He's freed the man from its stranglehold. 
This is what it looks like when the kingdom of God comes to earth. This is a picture, maybe a dim one, but a picture of what it looks like when God's kingdom comes to earth. When God says, I'm going to make things right again, he means it. And we see it in this story. So how does this connect to our situation? Well, you were created in God's image. We were all created to live in relationship with God, with the creator of the universe. You were created to thrive. We all were created to thrive. God saw everything that he made, and behold, it was very good. But like the demon-possessed man, we find ourselves in a very broken world. We find ourselves in a world that is not good, in a world that is not right. We find ourselves in a situation where we're really unable to save ourselves. It's true you might not find yourself demon-possessed. Maybe uh, you don't even find yourself uh, with a sickness that can't be cured. Maybe Maybe you've lived a fairly easy life and you don't have broken relationships. I find that unlikely, but maybe that's a situation you find yourself in. But even so, all of us will experience the same fate that everyone before us has ever experienced, and that is we will all die. And that's not how God intended things to end. God didn't intend for you to experience extreme depression. God didn't intend on you to experience broken relationships. God didn't intend for you to die. God intended you to live with him. And when evil entered this world, when evil came and broke this world, uh, when Adam and Eve sinned and brought all this mess into it, we were sort of all separated from God. But just like in this story, God has sent us Jesus. And just like in this story, Jesus can take what's broken in you and I, and he can make it right again. He's accomplished this and he proved it when he died on the cross and three days later he rose again. See, Jesus doesn't just say he can do these things. He proved it and he's done it. He was in the grave and he rose out of the grave defeating sin and death and Satan and giving us a way to have a relationship with God This story answers the question for us, who is Jesus? Who is Jesus? Jesus is the one that comes in power to restore our relationship with God. He comes in power to make the world a better place, to make things right again. People, that is good news. That is really good news. So after 
this sort of transformation project has happened after the man is sitting there in his right mind. Uh, he asked Jesus to go with him. He wants to go with Jesus. Jesus is about ready to, to get in the boat and head for home or head across the sea, wherever he was headed. He was going to head. And the man says, I want to go with you. Like, take me with you. It makes sense, right? Jesus has changed his life. Of course he wants to, to go with Jesus. He probably doesn't, hasn't had friends in years. What does Jesus say? Jesus says this, Go home to your friends and tell them how much the Lord has done for you and how he has had mercy on you. Mark doesn't record any questions or arguments. Maybe there were some, I don't know. But he just writes this, And the man went away and began to proclaim in the Decapolis how much Jesus had done for him. And everyone marveled. Everyone marveled. Jesus thought it was best that the man didn't necessarily go with him to preach among all the lands. He just told the man, go home and tell everyone what Jesus did for you. Your proof of my power and my plan to make the world right again. So go tell somebody. And that's the challenge that I would give us this morning. A, if you're, if you're not following Jesus, like I want to tell you that Jesus has come to make the world right again. He's come to, to make your life again. And that's not to say that he's going to uh, you know, cure you, you of all your illnesses, that he's going to take away all your pains. That's not necessarily the case, but he wants to walk through you with them. And ultimately, he will change those things. But the other thing I want to say is that if Jesus has already done those things for you, if Jesus has changed your marriage, if he's walking with you through the depression that you're experiencing, uh, if, he, if he has helped you through anxiety, if he's given you hope, go tell somebody. Our world is a world that loves stories about people coming in power to make the world right again. If Jesus has done that for you, people want to hear about it. You might not have some grand story of this happening, but I guarantee you that you have little stories of this happening. And I encourage you to find ways to tell those stories. Like too often, I think, you know, we know that, you know, we're supposed to tell people about Jesus, but we kind of view it like uh, maybe a school fundraiser. I don't know if anyone's been a part of a school fundraiser, but I remember when I had to sell stuff for school, it was kind of like, you go to the family and you're like, I'm selling some candy bars. Do you want to buy some, maybe? You don't have to, but if you want, you can, you know. That's like sometimes how I feel like we talk about Jesus. It's like, well, I should tell you about Jesus. but No, instead we should be talking about Jesus like it is the good news that it really is, you know. We don't have any problem telling about people about where we're going on vacation, telling people that, you know, we just had a baby and it's a boy or it's a girl. And there, there's lots of things that we get excited about. And I think Jesus uh, needs to be one of those things. And I, I don't think it's that we aren't excited. I think that it's sometimes we forget how good of news that this really is. Like Jesus has come to make the world right again. And it doesn't always look good but there are little pictures of him doing that all around us, maybe even in your own life. And if that's happened, 
tell somebody. If it's not, if it's not happened yet, then I encourage you to ask somebody about it that knows a little more. And I'm sure they'd be happy to tell you. So let's pray. God, thank you that uh, you're in the business of making the world right again. God, help us to uh, see that more clearly each and every day. It's not always uh, easy uh, to, to see it, but we know that it's happening, and we are so thankful for it. God, I thank you for uh, the ways that uh, you've been doing that here at Fairlawn. God, I pray that as we go from here, that we would try to find little ways of telling people the things that you've done for us, God. And we pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.